Well, I'm going to continue talking about what I was talking about last night. Let, real quickly, let me just give a review that I started in Ephesians chapter 4, and we started with verse 11, and we went down to verse 17 on Thursday night. And then on Friday night, or Friday morning, I got into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, and basically I was talking about don't think the way that the world thinks. There should be a difference in the way we think, and sad to say, when many people get born again, they think that now their e- eternity is secure. If they die, they aren't going to go to hell, but they don't change the way that they think about things here in this world. But I'm telling you that, that people that don't know Jesus are crazy. I say that in love. I'm not saying it to be mean, but the, the thinking of this world is death. Romans chapter eight, verse six says to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And carnal minded doesn't mean necessarily sinful minded. It doesn't mean X-rated minded. The word carnal literally means the flesh as stripped of skin is what Strong's defines the word sarks carnal as. And it's, it's not talking about just skin. It's talking about meat. Matter of fact, when you use the word, uh, you know, chili con carne, that means chili with meat. The word carny comes from the exact same word, sarks. It means meat. So when you're saying that somebody's carnally minded, you're calling them a meathead. <laughs> and the Bible says to be carnally minded is death. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be thinking murder or terrible things. It just means that you are thinking according to the flesh. You're just using your brain. You aren't using your spiritual man. It's not inspired by God. You're of the flesh. You're just going by what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. So when I say that people that don't know the Lord are crazy, compared to the word of God, it is crazy. You know, the natural mind will sit here and say, it's absolutely stupid for you. If you're having a financial crisis, it's crazy for you to take a portion of what you've got and give it in an offering because you don't have enough as it is. And if you take a portion and give it away, you're crazy. They will say that's crazy. But once you understand the kingdom of God, when you give, it starts a supernatural flow of God's blessing towards you. And if you factor the word of God into it and his promises like Luke 6, 38, which says give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. If you factor that into it, Not giving when you're in a crisis is crazy. The way the world looks at things like I'm in need, I've got a hoard. That's crazy. You are hindering your own finances. So I'm telling you that there's a difference in the way that God thinks and the way that the world thinks. And when we become Christians, we need to quit thinking like the lost people. We need to quit thinking the way that we did before we got saved. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. These verses changed my life. And it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the goodness of God. This isn't because he's an ogre. It's not because he's just commanded it and he's gonna punish you if you don't do it. But by the mercies of God, I beseech you that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says the way you get transformed is by the renewing of your mind, by the changing of your thinking. The word transform there is the Greek word metamorpho, and it's the word we get metamorphosis from. If you want to change like a little worm, becomes a butterfly. Something that's earthbound and ugly becomes something that's able to fly and beautiful. If you want transformation in your life, the way you do it is by the renewing of your mind. Man, that's powerful. And again, so few Christians understand this. They think, no, what I've got to do is pray and I've got to beg God and I've got to call a prayer chain and I've got to get somebody to lay hands on me. And we try every shortcut in the book 
The way to change is by the renewing of your mind. And if you do that, you will prove. That word prove means make manifest to the physical senses. It will become evident, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That shows growth. That shows it didn't just instantly change. You don't go from being a worm to a butterfly. There's a process, there's a metamorphosis, and it happens as you renew your mind. You've got to change the way you think. Man, that's powerful. And again, so few Christians are doing this. This is why our Bible college is so effective. I am so thrilled about what the change that we're seeing. It's just awesome. It is absolutely awesome to see people come in one way and they're good people. They love God, but they aren't thinking according to the word. And as they sit under the word, their life changes. They're just transformed. I mean, it happens. It's It's nearly like automatic. It's nearly like if you'll come in and just sit there, it'll change you. Now, as Wendell says, we need a little more cooperation than that, but it's nearly that strong. We had this one guy, uh, man, I forgot his name right now. I never thought I'd forget his name. Taj, what was his, what was his full name? It was some weird name, but anyway, he was a He was a guy from uh, Chicago. He was from the inner city in Chicago. And he came and his mother sent him to our Bible school. He didn't want to come. He was only 17 or 18 years old, but he came because his mother sent him to Colorado Springs, bought him an apartment, gave him all furnishings and, and bought him a car if he would stay in school for six months. So in order to get all of that, he came to school and he told us, he says, I'm out of here. Christmas break, I'm gone. He told everybody why he was there and that he was going to leave. And he was a nice guy. There wasn't anything bad about him, but he didn't want to be at Bible college. He came so he could get his car and stuff like this. And he came to class every single day. That was part of the deal. And did you know that at Christmas, he went home to Chicago thinking that he was going to stay And uh, he lived in an area where there was a person killed in that area every day. They had at least one murder every day. And when he went back, a number of his friends had been killed. He went back and his old friends were wanting to do things that he no longer wanted to do. And he came back in January after Christmas break. And he says, I changed so much. I didn't have anything in common with them. And he didn't even want to change. And he finished up school and graduated. I'm telling you, I wish I could make people believe this. If you would get in the word of God, the word of God will change you. It'll, if you change the way you think, you will change everything else. If you change the way you think about sickness and disease, if you quit seeing yourself as I'm powerless and cancer is incurable, if you change that, the cancer is no bigger deal than a cold. It's not any harder for God to heal cancer than it is a cold. If you started seeing that you're the one that has power and authority, how dare sickness touch my body? How dare the devil try? If you change the way you think, you'd be well. If you change the way you thought about poverty and if you begin to start seeing that God has blessed me to make me a blessing. And over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says he gives seed to the sower. And if you started being a sower instead of an eater. Now, sowers need to eat too. So God will give you seed to sow and bread to eat. That's what that verse says. So he'll take care of you. But if you live to give instead of give so that you can get more to live on. When your whole thrust becomes, I'm going to be a blessing. Man, I am going to help other people. This is why God makes this happen so that I can abound unto every good work. When you start thinking that way, you start a supernatural flow of God's blessing towards you. It says he gives seeds to sower. If you are short of seed, and this isn't really talking about seed, this is using that as an illustration for money. If you're short of money, it's because you do not have the attitude of a sower. If you were a sower, if you were a giver, God would prosper you supernaturally. If you're short of money, it's because you aren't a giver. You may give every once in a while. You may tip God. You may give him if there's something left over that's not any problem to you, but you are not. That is not your heart motivation because when you become a sower, 
If God can get the money through you, he will get it to you. If you were to change your attitude and if you were thinking the way that the word of God teaches on finances, you'll be filthy, stinking, dirty, rich. Now, you don't have to use it on yourself. You can give it all away if you want to. But I'm saying God will cause money to flow unto you. Your body would be healed. Your relationships would be different. Everything in your life would change. Look over here in 2 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. I think I've quoted this verse during this thing, but this is, this is a powerful passage. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse one, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know that first verse? I've preached a whole week on this one verse before. Most people read through this like a greeting and like get this out of the way so I can get to what he's really trying to say. This is radical what he says right here. Peter is preaching. He's writing to those who have. That means it's already done. You've already got it. You have like precious faith with him. In the Greek, those words mean identical. You've got the exact same faith as Peter. Peter was able to walk along and his shadow would touch people and they would be healed. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. Peter walked on water. You have that kind of faith already. You already have it. You aren't, it isn't just available that you can go get it. You've already got it. Galatians 5, says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Your born again spirit has faith in it. You've got, you've already got the same faith that Jesus used that Paul used. That's what he's saying. He's writing to those who have like precious faith. And it says, how did you get it? Through the righteousness of God and of our savior, Jesus Christ. It's not based on your holiness and how much you've done all of these things. It was a gift. It came with salvation. You've already got this faith. If you don't believe that, then just tear second Peter out of your Bible because it's written to those who have like precious faith. If you don't believe that you've already got this, and if you say, well, that's not me, well, then just tear 2 Peter out because everything in there is written to those who have like precious faith. See, if you thought that way, if you really believe that you had all of this, you would not put up with the stuff that you've got. One of the reasons people don't fight against sickness and disease and poverty and things, and they just accept it as being normal is because they don't want to be disappointed. They would rather just sit there and, and be miserable and dwell in that situation than run the risk of putting their faith out there because they aren't sure that they could really get it. So rather than be disappointed, they'll just adjust and they'll tolerate all of this other stuff. If you really knew that you had the same power that Jesus had, that Paul had, that Peter had, you would get up and use it. But the church is teaching that, oh, you've got to do these things and become holy and fast and pray and do something special to get God. Most Christians pray and ask God to give you faith when the Bible says you've already got it. You've already got the faith. Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. You have the same measure of faith that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's already in you. You don't need God to give you faith. You've got to go, first of all, believe that you've got it. Philemon chapter one, verse six says the communication, that word communication means the release or transferal. Right now I'm communicating things that God has spoken to me and I'm releasing them, transferring them to you. The communication of your faith becomes effectual. That means it begins to work by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't begin to work by you fasting more, praying more, asking God to give you more, going and letting someone lay hands on you. It comes by acknowledging what you already have. You've already got everything. You don't need anything. People say, I need a touch. You're already touched. You are touched in the head. Amen. (laughs) 
You just don't know what you've got. God's already done it. See, I nearly preached an hour on that first verse. And so it says, you've already got this like precious faith. And then in verse two, it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Well, by people praying for you, by you fasting, by you going to church, by you being holy, by you studying the word an hour a day. We have so many religious doctrines. If you want peace, if you want victory and joy in your life, then you got to do this and this and this. This says grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. If you were to renew your mind and quit thinking like a lost man, and start thinking according to the kingdom, which this is the kingdom rule book. This tells you how it works. This explains how the kingdom works. If you were to start thinking this way, it would just transform everything. It'd transform your body, it'd transform your finances, your relationships, everything. You know, during a crisis situation, financial things, this is the greatest time to prosper that there ever was. People are selling things for pennies on the dollars. Some of you know that because you've tried to sell your house and you can't get out of it what you've put into it. You're having to take a a less for it. This is a great time to prosper. We bought this 157 acres in Woodland Park with a $3 million lodge on it for $4 million. We nearly had the land thrown in free. It was worth at least $12 million. And uh, at one time they said that it was valued at 16 million. We bought it for four million. We bought it for 25 cents on the dollar. You know, during economic times, it's a great time for you to prosper. But see, people who think the way the lost think, oh no, you got a hoard and immediately you get into a panic mode and you start selling things off. And the people who have money start buying during hard times because they are taking over on everybody else's fear and the fact that you're overextended, et cetera, et cetera. If you were thinking the way that the word of God thinks, this is a great time. In uh, Genesis chapter 26, it says that Isaac went down and sowed in a year of famine. There was a drought and there was famine and people abandoned their land and went into Egypt because Egypt had the Nile River and they were able to irrigate. And so everybody fled down there. But the Lord told Isaac to stay in the land of Gerar and sow in a year of famine. And he sowed and got a hundredfold return. Man, and not only did he have a hundredfold return, which that in itself is awesome, but he had no competition. Everybody else was gone. They had abandoned their fields. He didn't even own any land. Did you know he sowed on the land of other people who forsook it? He sowed in other people's field, got a hundredfold return, and then had a corner on the market so he could charge premium prices. He prospered, prospered so much that finally the king of Gerar came to him and says, leave, you're mightier than our whole nation. Your net worth is more than the net worth of our entire nation. That's a person who was thinking according to what God said instead of panicking. And we've got so many Christians that they still think the way that the world thinks. When the news media says we have a crisis, immediately you just start planning and thinking negative and speaking negative and talk about we've got to cut back and stuff. When this ought to be a time for you to prosper. It's a tremendous time to prosper. Did you know since the stock market went down, I think in the, I forget the exact figures, but the first six months that the stock market decreased 50% or something like that. Did you know that our stocks, Jamie got some inheritance from her father when he died and we put it in the stock market. And did you know that our stocks went up 61% while the stock market went down 50%? Somebody says, you can't do that. I don't know how it works. I didn't invest it. It's a guy that works for us, but it worked. And he even told me, he says, you know, all of my customers, customers have done good, but he says, your account does better than anybody else's. He says, I don't know why. (laughs) I know why. It's because I'm not panicking. It's because I'm believing God. It's because I'm thinking different than the world thinks. Some of you don't believe this. Some of you think that it's coincidental that things like this happen. And you think you can't just sit here and change the way you think and get all of these different results. 
Yes, you can. I just got through preaching a series in um, January back in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And January the 31st is 10 years since the Lord told me I was thinking small and I was limiting what he could do in my life because of my small thinking. And so I made a decision that I was going to change. And did you know it's now been 10 years and our income, our outreach, everything has multiplied much more than 10 times. Back in January of 2002, we had approximately 2 to 3% of the United States population that we could reach with our television. Now we have 100%. We had, uh, I don't even know how much of the world, but now we cover 3.2 billion people with our program that can hear it every day. That has all happened since the Lord told me to change the way I think. Our income has gone up, I don't even know, but it's a minimum of 10 times. It's many, many more times. God has blessed us. And did you know before I was able to contact my uh, partners and tell them about what God spoke to me, so there was nothing physical that I did. Before, it takes about two months for us to write a letter and get it proofed and put it out and print it and do stuff. So it took me about two months, but I made the decision on January the 31st and it turned out that February and March were the largest income months we had ever had just by me changing the way I thought before I let anybody know anything. Everything changed. I used to go hold meetings like this and Charlie and Jill would go with me and I'd have Charlie and Jill and usually one other speaker and I'd go rent a place like this and it had cost, uh, it was a lot less than this, amen, but it used to cost about $10,000 to hold a, a meeting like this. By the time I paid everybody's airfare and gave them a a gift for being with me and stuff, it had cost about $10,000 and we would receive (laughs) $9,997. We'd be within $3 or sometimes I'd go $5 over. And I mean, God meant our need and we always covered it. And in the long term, it was good because people would become partners. And so it was good and it was a positive cash flow, but it was just right on the break even. Did you know after the Lord told me about how I had limited him by my small thinking, we held a meeting the very next week. I went and I didn't do one thing different. I didn't tell people anything different. I didn't ask them. I didn't do anything different than what I'd done. And instead of getting 10,000, I was getting 25,000 and 30,000 and 35,000. And it was just because of the way I changed my thinking. I'd been trying to be on Daystar for about four or five years, or no, it hadn't been that long. It must've been two years because I started in 2000 and this was 2002. So it was two years I'd been trying to go on Daystar. I had been a guest on that program many times. I knew Marcus and Joni Lamb. I knew their pastor. I had visited with them. Every time I'd been on their program at least five times and they asked me to minister and we were good friends and yet they would not let me on Daystar. And they would give me their rate card and tell me what it cost to be on and then they'd double it. Say, if you want to be on, you got to do this. It was like they didn't want me on. I don't know what was going on. And it didn't make sense because we were friends. But I just couldn't go on. And did you know within one week of me saying, God, I'm sorry, and I changed the way I think, and I will accomplish what you've called me to do. And I'm going to quit limiting you. Did you know within one week, I got a letter from Marcus Lamb, which meant that he had written it probably about the very moment I made my decision to change. And I got a letter from him and he says, why aren't you on our network? What's wrong? He says, forget the rate card. You just start. You have your program to us by Monday and we'll work it out. I'll guarantee you, I'll make a deal that you can accept And I was on within just a matter of days. I mean, my whole life changed. I began to change the way I thought and boom, everything else changed. Many of you just don't believe it's that simple, but it is. I can guarantee Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way that he is. Your life is the way that it is because of the way you think. It is not because of the color of your skin, your lack of education, where you live, the housing bust, the economy, 
your lack of education, whether you're a male or a female, it's none of those things. It's the way you think. And the way you think comes across. People pick up on how you think. And you know what? If you're negative, you just draw demonic stuff. You know, I was reading a scripture this morning about how that Jesus is a sweet, he was a sacrifice and a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. And I don't know if this is literal or if it's just symbolic that they use that terminology, but you know, like uh, certain things give off a fragrance and it draws like bees or things to honey and stuff. Well, Jesus is a sweet smelling savor. And I believe that when you get a bad attitude, you just put out this stink that draws every demon in Orange County to you. I know some of you don't like that, but I, I can guarantee you it's, it's true. You just draw problems because you just are negative, negative, negative. This says, you thought I forgot this verse. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. If you were thinking according to the word, you would have grace and peace in the midst of turmoil. While other people are panicking, you'd say, oh God, this is an awesome opportunity. People are going to sell things off cheap. All I got to do is hold on for a little bit. And man, I can make money just by things going back up. And if you're thinking correctly, you can have grace and peace in the midst of any situation. While everybody else is scared, just stuff doesn't bother you. Amen. You know, David said, my heart is fixed, oh God. Psalms 57, I believe it's verse seven, somewhere around there. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. And if you read the subscript of that 57th Psalm, it says that this was written when he was in the cave. And what that is referring to, he and his men were hiding from Saul and they hid in a cave and Saul came into the cave to take a nap and they were trapped. But you know what? Instead of panicking and instead of doing something where he just defended himself and doing something that he would regret, you know why he continued to do the right thing? Because his heart was fixed. That word fixed means established. He had already predetermined because of the word of God, how he was going to be. And he didn't let the people around him sway him, circumstances. His heart was fixed. This is what we've got to do. We've got to take the word of God, change the way you think. And as you think, that's the way that you'll be. And you've got to determine that I'm going to praise God. I don't care what happens. I am going to praise God. If you squeeze me, praise is going to come out. I am going to glorify God. I am not going to gripe. I will not complain. You've got to choose and fix yourself. And if you do that, if you take the word of God, then this knowledge will cause you to have peace. Isaiah 26, three says the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your thinking is screwed up. Your mind's not stayed on him. And somebody saying, oh no, you don't know my problems. Well, you don't know the promises. You don't know what the word says. You could come to me with whatever your problem is and I can counter it with a promise from the word of God. And some of you would say, well, I know that the word says that, but here's what I really believe. That's the problem. You're just more moved by what you see and what you feel and what circumstances tell you than what the word is. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over and some people think, would you please move on? Let's get on to something else. Well, when you start living this, I'll preach something else. Amen. Until you renew your mind, you aren't going to be transformed. Until you begin to get into the word, you aren't going to have grace and peace. It doesn't come by prayer. It doesn't come by people waving hands over you. It comes by you renewing your mind. It comes by you having God's perspective. And here's the verse I wanted to get to. Second Peter chapter one, verse three says, according, it says in verse two, that it's multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things 
that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. This says all things. You know what all in the Greek means? All. What is it that you need? Anybody need a financial blessing? It's in there. Anybody need healing? That's in all. Anybody need to be relieved of depression and discouragement or fear? That's in there. Anybody need a relationship? That's in there. Anybody need a job? That's in there. All includes everything. And it says all things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. The knowledge of God is what gives you the answers to everything. As a whole, the body of Christ doesn't believe that. They believe that, no, you've got to have somebody pray. You've got to fast. You've got to do something. You, we go and we get a hundred people to pray and put pressure on God because he won't answer your prayer. But maybe if there's a hundred people or you'll go on a fast. He wouldn't answer your prayer, but if you'll fast and it's, you're just about to pass out, you're, you're, about to, you're about to vanish away, melt away. You're so, even a harsh, unfeeling God will eventually have pity on you if you get pitiful enough. That's why most people fast. That's not what it's about. You know what it's about? It's about renewing your mind. All things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of him. And then verse four says, whereby, talking about this knowledge, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This knowledge of God gave us these exceeding great and precious promises. The word of God is the knowledge of God. This will tell you how God thinks. This will tell you how God's kingdom works. This will tell you what's going on behind the scenes. Man, the word of God is so important. It is so powerful. And it's amazing how people don't take the word of God and get to know it. And that's the reason that you're struggling. You know, Kurt and Lisa gave their testimony last night and all he needed was somebody to tell him the truth. He was looking, he was wanting, he was motivated, but he needed the truth. You change your thinking and everything's changed for them. Everything would change for you if you would get into the word and renew your mind. The word of God shows you what's going on behind the scenes. You know, with your eyes, you can see what's happening in here. You can, you have an impression of how many people are here. You have any, how, you know how many people are moving around. Mark Harrison's walking right down the aisle, see? And you can see these kind of things. You can see these things with your eyes and you know stuff in the natural, but you can't see the angels that are in here. Somebody says, what makes you think there's angels in here? Because the Bible says so. I can even tell you two of my angels' names. Psalms chapter 23, it says, surely goodness and mercy are following me all a day of my life. I've got goodness and mercy up here with me. I've got angels all around. There's thousands and thousands of angels in here. And people say, how do you know that? Because of the word, the word will show you things that you can't perceive with your little peanut brain. And yet they're true. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean they don't exist. They do exist. The power of God is here. And if you knew that you had two angels standing on either side of you, you'd feel differently when you go in to meet with your boss. Amen. You'd feel more confident about things. You wouldn't be as afraid and fearful and stuff. But see, we just aren't, we aren't seeing things through the word of God. If all you're doing is using your five senses, you are ignorant. Excuse me for being blunt, but you're missing out on the spiritual world and on God and on what's happening. Nobody's as blind as a person who's just using their brain and their eyes. You've got to go beyond that. You know, we recently were in Gettysburg and I bought a book about uh, Robert E. Lee. We went to his house and um, anyway, I bought this book and I was reading about the battles of the Civil War. And it was really interesting. 
I really got a lot of good stuff out of it, but I just was so disappointed because they would talk about how they had these things up. There was times that Robert E. Lee, he was a great general. And there's times that the North should have lost the Civil War. They were, they were cut off. There is no rhyme or reason why it didn't happen. And a messenger would fail to carry a message from Robert E. Lee. Something would happen and they would just tell you about what happened or what didn't happen, but they didn't explain why. And I was used to reading the accounts in the Bible that in the Bible, it would say that, you know, they woke up and 186,000 men were dead. They just didn't tell you what happened. They told you that it was an angel of God that went out and smote 186,000. And you can see behind the scenes and you get the understanding of why it happened. I was reading this history book and all it did was just report the facts. And I was wondering, why did that happen? Was that God that caused this messenger to get off track? Was it God that caused this happen or caused that to happen? And I was disappointed because, man, I was reading things from only a human perspective. And I'm so used to seeing behind the scenes through the Word of God. See, I love the Word of God because it'll not only tell you what happened, but it'll tell you what God did to make those things happen. You're able to see into the unseen realm. The Word of God is just like a window that allows you to look into the spiritual realm and see what God is really doing. If all you're doing is looking with your eyes, you're missing it. There's things happening. There's people that you come up here and you pray for them. And immediately they open up their eyes to see, to feel if everything's changed. And they can't see by faith. They don't have any concept of something going on behind the scenes, something below the surface. They just check. I've had people come to me before and I pray for them and man, they had pain. I I prayed with two or three people today that had had pain for years, years and years and instantly their pain's gone. And I say, so do you have any pain? They say, well, not right now. (laughs) Like it'll come back, but not, nope, not that. Mercy. And anyway, I've had people come up and they'd be totally pain-free. They're able to move. They're able to do something that they weren't able to do before. And I say, I believe you're healed. They'll say, well, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to find out if I am. And I just want to slap them. Spirit of slap wants to come all over me. Like you weren't able to do this. Now you are able to do it, but you're going to wait until somebody can test you to see if you're healed. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. I think you're weird to just sit. Well, the doctor says I've got this. I've had people before that the doctor told them they had something and they felt perfectly fine. And yet they start taking treatments and taking the drugs. And pretty soon they're sick and dying and they never did feel bad until the doctors got a hold of them. I'm not against doctors. If it hadn't have been for the doctors, all the Christians would be dead because they hadn't been believing God. But I'm just saying that, you know what, when you've got Jesus and when Jesus heals you, why in the world are you still fearful? And why won't you just believe and believe that something could happen supernatural and not have to have somebody confirm it? Our liability issues today, you know, doctors, they can't tell you that you're healed of something that the medical profession says you can't be healed of because if they told you that you're healed and then you quit coming and taking treatments and taking the medication and if the thing came back on you, you, they could be sued for millions and millions of dollars. Liability issues are going to keep most doctors from ever saying that you're healed. They may say, well, we can't find it, but you better go ahead and do this and they'll They'll still treat you. Did you know most treatments will kill a well person? I watch these commercials where it says, you know, take, take this thing. And I think, my God, give me back my headache. <laughs> it can cause you to be impotent. It can cause you to die. You can have strokes. And I think, let me have my headache back. <laughs> Why would anybody do that? crazy. I'm telling you, the way the world thinks is absolutely crazy. I know many of you think I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy. (laughs) The word of God will change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, then everything else changes. It's the knowledge of God that gave us this word. And it says through that we become partakers 
of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Man, is that awesome or what? This is saying that you can partake of God's divine nature. And yet most people, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner, but I got saved by grace. And now I am the righteousness of God. I have his nature on the inside of me. And if I can change my thinking, then I can change my experience. I get transformed by the renewing of my mind and I will prove, make manifest to the physical senses, the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. What I'm telling you today is, is as simple as what I'm saying. It's this simple, but the hardest thing you will ever do is change your thinking because this world is just bombarding us. And again, I said it before, but this generation of believers are more influenced by our carnal world than any generation of believers have ever been because we are so plugged in to all of this information age and all of this stuff. And it is warring against our soul. It comes against us. Look over here and are you in second Peter? Look in second Peter chapter two. It's talking about, you know, you need to repent and turn because there's a judgment coming. And in second Peter chapter two, verse six, it says that, uh, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now, Jesus has borne our punishment, so God's not going to judge us the way that he did Sodom and Gomorrah. But this says that he did this to make an example. What was the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality. If anybody wants to know God's opinion on homosexuality, just go look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And he killed all of those people and destroyed them. This is not a godly thing. God does not approve of homosexuality. He placed his judgment against homosexuality on Jesus so he can forgive homosexuals, but it isn't good. It isn't right. It's wrong. And that's what it says. He made an example out of them. And look at this in verse um, seven, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. This just lot doesn't mean he delivered only lot because he didn't. He delivered Lot's wife and uh, their two daughters. Now Lot's wife turned around and turned into a pillar of salt, but nonetheless, Lot wasn't the only one that came out. His two daughters also came out. This isn't talking about that he delivered only Lot. It means he delivered righteous Lot. He was a just man. Lot was a godly man is what it's talking about. And you can see that in the next verse. It says in verse eight, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot was a righteous man, but he went down to Sodom and Gomorrah because there was lush pasture. He moved in there because of the financial benefit and yet it was ungodly and it vexed. That word vexed there means to torment. It warred against his soul day after day after day. And Lot went down there for the financial benefit. I'm sure he probably prospered financially, but what did it cost him? Cost him his wife. It cost him two of his daughters who stayed in Sodom with their husbands and children and they were destroyed. And then the two daughters that came out with him were so corrupt because they had been raised in this ungodliness that they actually got their father drunk and while he was drunk enticed him to have sex with them and they had children by incest. It cost him everything. And you know, we're doing the same thing. We're selling our soul to the devil for finances or whatever. There are people that are working two and three jobs to be able to afford a lifestyle that isn't necessary. 
you could back off and live in something much less and be content and not have to sell your soul to the devil and mortgage your kids and never see your kids and do all of these kind of things. There are people that if you get a promotion, man, you'll follow that promotion to the ends of the earth. You'll lose your family, your friends, your church, you have a good church and you'll just pick up and go someplace and then assume that you can find another good church and go to a place that you don't have any spiritual support and your family languish, your spiritual condition languish. It ought to be the opposite. You ought to establish your body of believers. If you feel like God's moving you to another place, go find you a body of believers. And only if you can prosper and get around some things and and know that it's a safe place for you spiritually should you take it. Finances shouldn't rule our life, but with most people it does. There are many of you that have jobs that you hate. You don't like the job. It's not what you want to do, and yet you do it because you got to have money. You ought to do something. You ought to find what God called you to do and put your spiritual condition and honoring God ahead of your finances And you could live at a much less standard of living and be just fine. Amen or oh me. But Lot, because of financial thing, he sold his soul. He vexed his righteous soul. And brothers and sisters, this is happening to us. We are just being compromised. We're inundated with all of this stuff. And I'm telling you that like I started in Ephesians chapter four, don't think like you did before you were lost. Change the way you think. Put God's word first. God's word is the only way you're ever going to think like God. God has revealed himself through the pages of this Bible. This will give you his opinion about what is good and what's bad. It'll show you how God deals with people. It'll show you example after example of people that were just in a dead end situation and there's no way they could prosper. And yet they did prosper. And it'll show you what's going on behind the scenes. It'll show you how God was working to bring these things to pass long before they physically saw it. And it'll give you hope when you can't see anything working. You'll know that just like Abraham, just like somebody else, that even though they hadn't seen these things, God was working and it's coming and it'll give you hope. That's what it says in Romans chapter 15, verse four, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope comes because you've been studying the word. This is so simple, but it's profound. Brothers and sisters, you change the way you think by the word of God and begin to think according to the word of God. And as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way you're going to be. You cannot go contrary to the way you think. You can do it for a brief period of time. That's called hypocrisy. But your life will go the direction of your dominant thought. You can, for a brief period of time, psych yourself up and go out and do something. But I can guarantee you, you will eventually settle back to the way you think in your heart. There are some of you that have talents and abilities that you should prosper more than you do. But you were cursed when you were a child. You were told that you'll never amount to anything, that you can't do this. You had something negative happen. And so you have this, you have this limiter on the inside of you that just won't let you prosper. And yet your talents are there and you'll start to prosper and they'll promote you and you will find some way to destroy your own prosperity. You will self-destruct because that's the way you think on the inside. You won't let yourself. This is what was happening to me 10 years ago. God was blessing me and I knew that the Lord had more things in store for this ministry. But you know what? I just couldn't see myself fulfilling those things. Even though I knew it was God's will, I couldn't see myself. I'm a hick from Texas. I'm a nobody. I could not see myself occupying the position that God had for me. And because of it, I was limiting what God could do. And I had to change the way that I thought. And when I did, everything changed. And I'm telling you, this is true of every one of you. If you see yourself as, I, I just could never do certain things. I, I, that's what's keeping you from doing it. 
You know, I've renewed myself and I believe I could do anything. I know what I'm called to do. So I'm not going to distract myself and limit myself by trying to do something God didn't call me to do. But if I had to, I could do anything God wants me to do. I'd prosper at it. And I've proven it in the past. I've done things that are totally outside of my talents and I have prospered. You know, if I was without work, I'd go down to McDonald's and I'd own that McDonald's in a short period of time. I guarantee you I'd prosper. They'd promote me. I'd work harder than anybody else. I would take over. I can guarantee you I can prosper at anything. Whatever I set my hand unto will prosper. I believe it. And yet there's some people that are out of work that are just sitting there thinking I can't do anything. And they're just sitting there waiting on somebody to come ask them for a job. It's not how it works. Man, you need to believe God. I heard the testimony of Angie and Al Burke's daughter that got a job on the airplane. That was awesome. And this is one of our Bible college students and she was coming back here and she just happened to sit next to a person who's the head of navigators in Colorado Springs. And he asked what she was doing. And she says, I'm going to Bible college and I'm looking for a job during the summer. And anyway, he talked to her and basically she said, well, I'm not sure I want to work full time. And he, he basically just come in and we'll do whatever we want you. And God just plopped her right next to a person. And you know what? It worked. But I can guarantee you, Karen is believing God. She's trusting God. She's excited. She wasn't sitting there in depression and discouragement. I don't know how to say this. I can't show you in the physical and just draw a line and prove this in a way that the scientist would accept it. But I am telling you that if you're negative and operating in unbelief, you stop the flow of God's blessing towards you. When you start believing God and trusting him and thinking according to the word of God, it just opens up the floodgates and God will find a way to sit a person next to you that'll give you a job. They'll promote you. You'll be blessed. But you're going to have to change the way you think if you want to change the results that you're getting. You got to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. And the average person is just operating in total unbelief, negative thinking, waiting for something in the physical to happen. It doesn't happen that way. It happens to you on the inside first, and then it's reflected on the outside. If your outside's a mess, it's because your inside's a mess. That usually goes over about like that. (laughs) But it's true. Let me give you one last story and I quit with this. But there was a woman who was a pastor's wife. She was nearly blind. She had thick glasses, could just barely see, legally blind. And there was a healing evangelist coming to their church And she knew he was going to want to pray for her. And she didn't want prayer because she'd been prayed for and it was disappointing and she didn't want to be disappointed again. So she avoided him. Finally, he cornered her and he wanted to pray for her. So he made her take her glasses off and he prayed for her and commanded sight into her eyes. And then he says, now can you see? So she started to open up her eyes and look. And this guy just yelled at her and he said, shut your eyes. So she shut her eyes real quick, wondering what's going on. And he says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes and uh, thinking, what's going on? And he says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes the third time. And he says, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You've got to see yourself seeing before you can see. You've got to get it on the inside before you get it on the outside. So she finally understood what he was saying and she just kept her eyes closed and she was praying in tongues. And after a while, she says, I've got it. I see myself seeing. And he said, now open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and her eyes were healed. (laughs) Praise God. Too often we just pray for something, but we've never seen it. And we open our eyes too quickly. And we want to see and experience the change outwardly, but there isn't a change inwardly. You ought to start on yourself and say, Father, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to paint a picture on the inside of me. I'm going to see myself well. I've done this in so many areas. There was a time that I wanted to see people raised from the dead because the Bible said that we can raise people from the dead. I'd never seen anybody raised from the dead, but the Bible said we could do it. 
same works that Jesus did would we do also, John 14, 12. And so what I did, I took every instance in the Bible where somebody was raised from the dead and I started reading them. And then I'd close my eyes and I'd see myself standing in front of Lazarus' tomb and saying, Lazarus, come forth. I'd see myself stretching myself on top of the child in 1 Kings chapter 17 and laying on them until they coughed and came alive. I did everything that I saw in the word and I did this so much and I read the word until I got to where I was dreaming about it. I was raising a dozen people a night from the dead in my dreams. And guess what? A man died and I saw him raised from the dead because I had seen it on the inside. I saw it on the outside. And then it had been about, I don't know, 15 or 20 years since I'd seen a person raised from the dead. And I got to thinking, you know what? If that worked once, it'll work again. And I got to doing it again. I went through all of this, got to meditating on it started dreaming about raising people from the dead. And then my own son died and was dead for five hours. And praise God, because I'd been meditating on the word. God brought him back and he's alive. And I've got a granddaughter who was born after that, that we wouldn't have had. I'm telling you, this is how simple it is. Change the way you think. You think right, you'll get right. If you don't have things right in your life, it's because your thinking is all screwed up. I'm not saying that to hurt anybody. I'm saying it to help you. You can change the way you think. You are not an animal. You don't have to just respond to external things. You can choose how you want to be. You can get in the word of God and you can renew your mind and you can choose how you want to be. If you don't like the way your life is, change it by changing the way you think. Amen. That blesses me. Some people say, well, you're putting all of this responsibility. This is effort. You'd rather me just wave my hand over you and go out and you can still think like the devil and get godly results. But that's not how it works. To me, it blesses me because it, I, can, I can do this. If it's changing the way you think, I can change the way I think. I can do that. I can study the word as much as anybody can. I can renew myself. And you can too. And I want to encourage you that this is how God wants to change your life. Change the way you think and you'll be transformed and prove the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Guaranteed. I guarantee it. You try it, it'll work. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, I can guarantee you one of the things you've got to do is quit trying to save yourself and depending on your own goodness and thinking that God's going to somehow or another accept you because you're a good person. You need to change the way you think. You know, some people think, well, I'm about 80% saved. (laughs) You're either saved or lost. There is no such thing as being 99.9% saved. You need a savior. And the good news is you've got one, Jesus. He died for your sins, but you have to receive his salvation. If you haven't done that, you need to receive his salvation today. And once you get born again, you also need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to rule your life. And I'm promising you what I'm talking about right here. You can't change your thoughts on your own. You can make the decision to do it, but it takes God's power. It takes the Holy Spirit. It says over in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to have the Holy Spirit quicken things to you, give you understanding. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, this is the number one thing that happens. Your spiritual understanding just explodes. The Holy Spirit will let you see different sides and dimensions to things than what you can perceive with your little peanut brain. You'll start getting it from revelation, from your spirit, not from your head. I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be the greatest thing that ever happened to you since being born again. If you don't have that, you need to receive it. And it includes speaking in tongues. It's not limited to that. There's other gifts. There's many things that the Holy Spirit does. But speaking in tongues is something you can do that just turns on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's like flipping a switch 
And I tell you what, it's a powerful, powerful experience. We've already had how many people here? Where's Robert? 161 people have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the three services. Praise God. So if you're here today and say, I need one or both of those, I need to make Jesus my Savior and or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I want this gift of speaking in tongues. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you and help you to receive. Man, there's a bunch of hands right back here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is great. You know, there's probably others that aren't sure and you're saying, I'm just not sure about this. This isn't what they teach in my church, but I am sure about it. If you aren't sure, you ought to trust somebody who is. I've been studying the word and I can tell you the baptism of the Holy Spirit's a good deal. Speaking in tongues will change your life. How many of you in here already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues? Hold your hands up. Look at this. Would you recommend it? Amen. So if you don't have it, would you just get up out of your seat? If you raised your hand but weren't supposed to do it, just come forward right now and let us pray with you. We would like to help you to receive. Thank you, Jesus. And this is awesome. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's going to change your life. I believe y'all are going to be blessed. Stronger than horseradish. Man, this is neat to see couples coming up here together. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. You know, we've got a meeting this morning about the Bible college, and I really am trying to encourage people to take advantage of that. So I'm going to make this quick this morning. But I want to remind you, Wendell's leaving right now. Some of our Bible college students are leaving. If you're going to go to that meeting, please participate. They'll be starting in about five or 10 minutes. And the way I'm going to do this this morning, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to go with Robert. He's the man right here in the center aisle with his Bible up. And we've got a bunch of people that will pray with you and spend time and answer your questions. They'll explain to you. And they see lots of people baptized in the Holy Spirit and saved. And we've got a book that I want to give every one of you too. So uh, if you would, I'd like to ask you to just follow Robert. He'll only spend a few minutes with you. And if you want to go to our Bible college meeting, you'll be able to get out and go to it. And you'll be able to come back in here to the service. But we're going to do this because that way people can go to these meetings without us. It usually takes me about 20 to 30 minutes to minister to everybody. So if you don't mind, if you just follow Robert, he's right here in the center aisle with his Bible up and he'll take you to a room. He's got people that'll pray with you. And I believe that you're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Amen. You agree? Praise the Lord. Just follow Robert here. It'll just take a few minutes and we want to help you to receive. Praise God. Isn't this great? Let's praise God for all of these. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to ask our prayer ministers, if they would, to come down here and stand across the front. I know that there's people who came for healing today and that you need a touch from God. And we want you to come and let one of our prayer ministers agree with you and pray with you. And if you'll do that, I believe you'll receive your healing. You've heard all of these great testimonies about all of the people that have been healed. And most of these have taken place through our prayer ministers, not through me, but through our prayer ministers. So let, let our prayer minister pray with you and they'll, they'll see you heal. Praise God. God bless you, brother. Andrew, I've been baptized six times. Praise the Lord. Amen. So if you need prayer, I'd like to ask you to come right now and let one of our prayer ministers just agree with you. We're going to see God heal you and set you free. The rest of you, remember that we've got the meeting that is uh, up at the top of the escalators. There's people that will show you around. And then tonight we start at 6 p.m. It's not 7 p.m. It's 6 p.m. Also, we've got the four services that we've already had 
They're already duplicated on CD and DVD, and you can go out there and get those teachings. I tell you, you need the things that I've been saying. You need to hear this more than once. You need to hear it over and over. So please take advantage of that and all of the other product out there. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, just come forward. We've got people down here to pray with you and agree. And the rest of you, so that everybody can go to the meetings, I'm going to go ahead and take off today because people will stay around. So please take advantage of these uh, meetings over here. I think it's really important for you to do that. Amen. God bless you.